How's everything going, man? Oh, it's going pretty well. A little exhausted, but things are going pretty well in general. Yeah. Yeah, just sort of a Monday thing. Um, we had like grade checks today, and so had to make sure that all of their grades were up to date and completely accurate. And so mm. getting that taken care of, working on uh, getting the next week of lesson plans and stuff lined up and all of that just kind of snuck up on me how much longer it was going to take than I thought. So, yeah. yeah. How'd your retreat go? Oh, the retreat was awesome, man. Was it? Uh, it was, yeah. It was up in the Prescott area. It was uh, really cold at <sighs> night and in the morning, but it was at that spot where it was just after we had had the massive cold snap. And so in the day, in the sun, it was actually gorgeous. Just nice. Perfect weather. Good group of kids. A number of them students who I've, again, taught since like second grade. And so being in small group discussions with them and talking about how things are going in their life was a really, really cool experience. But yeah, no, man, it was, loved it. Nice. Can't get enough. That's cool. That's cool. I'm looking forward to my kids being able to do stuff like that. Like it. Mm -hmm. Retreats and getaways, man, they're cool. They're, uh, they have legit impacts. Like, like legit impacts. They definitely can. And like, it's kind of one of those things where like the retreat is fantastic and has an awesome impact. And then comes the hard part of like, okay, here are these things that God and his generosity and mercy has like made clear to us. And now we're going back into the normal. How do we hold on to that and not just fall back into our old normal? From mountaintop to valley, yep. It's mm-hmm. uh, that fall is hard. It's Brutal. real hard. Uh, all right, all right. Let's uh, let's hit an intro and jump into it. Welcome to the podcast, Blue Collar Scholars. Not long ago, a group of brilliant minds met together at a pub to discuss their unfinished works. They recognized the value of coming together around delicious beverages and having meaningful conversations. That group was known as the Inklings. The Inkle Do Podcast here, we're working to be the second iteration of that group. So, pour yourself a craft beverage, pull up a chair, and join the conversation. All right, man. You uh, had anything anything good? I did, actually. Ooh. So, last week, I uh, went to Four Peaks, like their actual, the Tempe location, mm-hmm. meeting up with someone, and had uh, their Sirius Black, which all of their marketing would, like, lead you to believe that it's not Harry Potter inspired. But I'm pretty sure they like brew it around Halloween and then like sell it till it's gone. I'm like um, I would I would be so mad if it didn't have like, you know, the Animagus dog and like the it moon does and like not. Oh, that's so disappointing. Yeah. It instead they lean really heavily into like the actual uh the dog star. And so like it's just but I mean like Okay, know, so the constellation stuff. Serious. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Uh, maybe okay. other bottles and stuff, they might have some of that, but like the uh it is the the beer itself leans really more into the black part rather than the serious. The serious is actually just like a pun on this is a seriously dark beer. Because mm. it's a Russian imperial stout. Mm. There's a lot of magical words in there that make things delicious. Yes. But like, it's got some really nice kind of coffee notes to it. 
uh, some chocolatey sweetness up front with a really nice malt, uh, like kind of not burnt malt, but like actually toasted mm-hmm. malt like on it. And it is mm, very, very nice. Um, what was the yeah. bitterness level at? Um, So I, it's IBUs are 50. Okay. Okay. But again, because it's got some of those like chocolate notes and things in there. Didn't really well, notice it. Like, yeah. It doesn't. There's a little bit, again, kind of towards the finish. There's a little bit of that kind of like, oh, yeah, I don't know. There's something that lingers here. But it is, it's balanced. There's a lot going on in that beer. And it was. It was genuinely delicious. Uh, it is also potent. Like mm-hmm. I had one and would not have had a second in the same sitting because it's almost 14%. Oh, wow. Um, 14? Yeah, 13.8. Holy smokes. 8% ABV. Yeah. So uh, it was one of those things like sat there and munched on appetizers and watched some basketball games and stuff like that over the course of a significant amount of time with the little like goblet pour mm-hmm. that you get. Um, but yeah, it was really tasty. It was good stuff. Um, and a good reminder for me that, you know, circle back every now and then, mm-hmm. you know, because like. When I think it's been so long since I've actually gone to Four Peaks Brewery that, like, in my head at this point, Four Peaks is Kilt Lifter. Yes. And I like Kilt Lifter. But, like, it's – they've got so much other stuff, too. And Mm -hmm. so, like, making sure that I get out and try some of the other things that they have to offer. Yeah. um, Yeah, when they have that flagship, it kind of is, like – it's almost like Kilt Lifter and they make other beers. You know, like – you almost would think Kilt that lifter, the Eighth Street Ale, you know, there's like two or three different cans that you'll find in the grocery store, mm-hmm. and it's really hard to remember that. Oh yeah, but they're like, they're an actual brewery that does a bunch of different things. Yeah, yeah. they just and they were good. You know, they yeah. they were they made it that big for a reason. You know, not, exactly. Not because they sucked. So nice, man. Well, that's good. I'm kind of. I'm not quite. I don't think jealous is the right word, but like over the weekend, I had my first like hankering where I was like, you know what would go really good with this food right now? Not a diet soda, you know, (laughs) (laughs) no. So, yeah, no, I I, miss it every like it's not one of those things where and this will be a good segue. It's not something where like I miss it and I'm like, oh, life, I'm missing life without it. Um. But like every once in a while, you're like, that would be so perfect, but I can't. So, yeah. Oh, well. And then you just move about your day. But that that one instance where you're like, ah, I wish, but oh, well. (laughs) Well, and it's one of those things. Like, I would love to uh, say something like comforting or anything like that. But the reality of the situation is we both know how this goes. Nothing anyone else says matters. And that like in those one or two moments where you Mm -hmm. wish you could have some. You just wish you could have some mm-hmm. like the the promise of future rewards or all of those kinds of things. It's kind of like, yeah, no, 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 I know. That's why I'm putting up with this. But right. Let's just accept the fact that right now I'm putting up with this. This is not where I want to be at the right. moment. Yep. Yep. And I put myself here because I might have overdone it a little while ago. So, yeah. which again, so binge and purge, right? That's what we're talking <laughs> about tonight. Essentially. Uh, yeah, actually, basically. Actually kind of true. 
but no, I've been thinking about. So I wrote my blog post. I saw long story long. I had read a book about film and religion and stuff like that. And it was this big analysis on genres. And it was actually pretty interesting. Um, but one of the things that this guy said is that like a lot of religions provide liminal activities for people. So basically mm-hmm. like an opportunity to step outside of the case system or the ex- expectations of society so that you can um, kind of get a cathartic release and then become a good productive member of your case system all over again okay. um, and not challenge the, the people above you for the rest of the year. And so I was trying to think, and he was talking about how movies do that for people. So I was trying to think, I was like, does Christianity have any of those like rituals that's kind of like, hey, we know that you're a repressed individual, so here's an opportunity for you to let it out. And I was like, you know what? The only thing I could think about was like Fat Tuesday. Yeah. But then when I really started thinking about it, I was like, that's not, I'm pretty sure, and I wanted to ask you this, I was like, I'm pretty sure that's not a church-sanctioned activity. Um, so, but is it? So I guess that's the big question. Let's start there. To, so Fat Tuesday, uh, no, that that's a cultural thing. That's like right. sp- that's- spun, sprung up around it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there are like celebrations of, I think it's like, uh, uh I forget what it is. It, it's something like cake day or pancake day or something like that. Uh, is another thing that it's known as because it was like, oh, you know what? We're not going to be able to. So today we'll have like some sweet breads and things like that mm. as we lead into it. And, you know, the, the church has always been pretty big on the idea of fasting is really important, but so is feasting, mm-hmm. you know, in, in the proper seasons. You know, the, the whole uh, line from Jesus to the Pharisees about how can you ask them to fast when they're when the bridegroom is present yeah. kind of deal like yep. there are those seasons for it but yeah no 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 the idea that okay so I am going to give up alcohol for Lent and so what I'm going to do is on Tuesday I am just going to hook up a series of wine bottles to IVs and just pour yeah. it directly into my veins no, yeah, no, no. The church has That's not sanctioned. <laughs> never come out and said this is a thing we ought to do or a mindset we ought to embrace. No, yeah. Right. So the right the, the idea of it being one of those liminal experiences. Yeah, I would say you're right about that. Yeah, and I was just thinking because, and so continuing my thought. So I wrote about it, whatever, but then just kind of continuing the thought because Ash Wednesday is coming up and. So obviously, so is Fat Tuesday and not too long. I think it's like uh, two weeks, maybe. Yeah. So because uh, God has a sense of humor every now and then we get this thing that happens where Ash Wednesday is Valentine's Day. So, <laughs> yes, so it does happen. Sometimes. Tuesday, the 13th is going to be Fat Tuesday. And then Valentine's Day is Ash Wednesday. That's so fantastic. Yeah, for well, those I, of you out there who have to consider things like this, probably, probably do your Valentine's date. Like the day before. That would be my thought. Yeah. No, we actually like Tuesday go. Anthem. So like our Valentine's tradition is we go to Sardella's and get heart-shaped pizza. <laughs> and so like we actually, so like the church, there's like, so it's really weird. It's part of being in Protestant churches. Is so like the church we go to is very non-ceremonial. Mm, so like mm-hmm. they're almost iconoclastic, like to the, almost like to that point. So like they have like an Amish heritage, right? So they're like 
very no rituals. And so we go to a different church that does have rituals. <laughs> so like, so we we'll get the best. So, we- you know, some days you're going to go shopping at Target. Other days you're going to go shopping at Walmart. That's it just of- all depends on who- what's on special. That's kind of how it is, actually. But so we go to the, a Lutheran church so we can do ashes. And then we drive to Sardellas and have heart-shaped pizza. So it's... Uh- <laughs> That is that is very uh, weird and cool <laughs> and kind of sweet all at the same time. Yeah. And I'm just going to sit here and enjoy that fact. Yeah. That's, I don't know what to do with that information either. So it just is. <laughs> it's your life. I don't know what to do with this. Get, go get your ashes and take your wife for pizza. Oh, man. It's fantastic. But anyway, so yeah. my thoughts on this were that the idea of a liminal experience in Christianity or the binging before fasting, because that's, you might say carnival is a feast, but I I think it's more of a, uh, the way that we see fat carnival might be different than fat Tuesday too. That might be culturally different that I don't know, but I think in essence, the idea is, but they're similar. There's a connection there to indulge abundantly before you fast. And Mm -hmm. that seemed so wrong to me because what that meant is that again your value is on the body and on the pleasure and you feel like you're missing out on the fast and so you don't want to miss out and so you consume it all right now so it's kind of Mm -hmm. got this like weird greedy gluttony mixture of oh yeah of things that's like it's again it's a self-centered view and not a Christ-centered view. And so that's where like these liminal experiences or specifically this binging before fasting seems not right to me. Oh, no, 100%. 100% rock-solid agreement with you there. Um, I would say in addition, the thing that strikes me more, because reading the, the stuff about like the liminal experiences and things in the blog, I did find it really interesting. And so, of course, my brain has been like pondering a bunch of things around it. And I think one of the things that really like stood out to me, though, is that it also uh, really kind of messes with our view of what's good and what's natural if we do that. Because like take the movie The Purge, for example, Mm -hmm. as like this liminal thing, like, oh, this idea that like now following laws, that is unnatural. That is contrary to us. And so if we follow laws all the time, then we will break and we will lash out and there will You'll be all of this repressed. crime and things right. like that because it's repressed. Exactly. Whereas if we allow this opportunity for our natural instincts to steal, murder, rape, and all the other things that like laws exist to protect us from mm-hmm. – those are actual natural things, and so we need to give this natural thing an outlet to participate in, and then we can kind of control it the rest of the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I haven't watched any of the Purge movies no, for me incredibly obvious reasons, but one thing that I've noticed that I do weirdly kind of respect about it is like when you see the advertisements for like Purge sequels and things like that, they've clearly owned up to the fact that that argumentation would be utter BS mm-hmm. because like by the, the last sequel that I remember seeing a, an ad for anyway, it was one of those things where like uh, 
someone was going to like a politician was going to try and end the purge but then there were also these people who wanted to make like purge all year round like the purge doesn't end and it's like because that's the reality of it mm-hmm. is that all things that we do are ultimately habit forming and so if we treat these vile evil things these sinful things if we treat them as good and natural and we allow them to be something that we indulge in on occasion then we are kind of training ourselves to think oh no no that's a good and natural thing that i must Mm -hmm. repress for this unnatural reason Mm. Um, and once we've got it in our mindset as a repression we now feel that urge and that need to rebel yes. against it and to push against it more and more. Anybody who's tried to diet knows exactly. that. Yeah. Exactly. You know, I'm, I'm never hungry until I turn on a cooking show. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, oh, nope, I need this now. And again, eating, obviously natural. I don't mean to like compare that. Right, <laughs> in its right, right, right. Form. But, you know, in the same way, like the the shift that happened from Mardi Gras, which is the just the French phrase for Fat Tuesday, but like the the shift from like Fat Tuesday to Mardi Gras to this like, uh, and then probably even levels beyond that, this idea of Carnival and those kinds of things, it is born out. Uh, it seems to be that the difference between like the actual Fat Tuesday that was born out of, you know. People lived in an era without like refrigeration and preservatives. Mm. And it's like, oh, we're going into these 40 days where we won't be able to eat these things. None of these things are still going to be edible in 40 days. So what we're going to do, we've got a bunch of this stuff. Our neighbors have a bunch of this stuff. Let's come together. We'll have a celebration using this stuff. And then we will go into Lent. That makes so much sense. Right. That's a totally natural thought process, especially yeah. when you're thinking about like peasants who are mm-hmm. like farming and taking care of livestock and things like that. Oh, well, duh. Yeah. I, I have cows that I have to milk, but this milk is going to spoil before then. I can only make so much cheese, which to be fair is not actually a thing I subscribe to. I was going to say, always can make you more though? cheese. But, uh, <laughs> But, like, from there, then it becomes this sort of license to overindulge. Mm -hmm. And it's one of those things where it doesn't just affect the – it affects the fast, obviously, because it makes the fast um, seem in some way, um, again, a repression or an oppression by God, that God is Mm -hmm. forcing us to go without these good things for some cruel reason. Uh, and so it affects the fast and makes the fast more difficult and yeah, less fruitful. And yeah, that's what I was about to say. Kind of poisons the heart. It does. When you're going into it. Mm-hmm. And I think the other thing it does though too, is that it, it also poisons the feast. Mm. Like it, because at that point, then it becomes a matter of, you know, so like at Lent, and please, if anyone listening, don't, I'm not trying to single you out because this is something I've definitely done too, but where we get things where people are, you know, using Lent to fast from things that like should be a lifelong fast, 
you know, uh, I'm going to, um, you know, even something fairly commonplace like cigarette smoking. You know, I've been wanting to quit smoking for a long time. I'm going to take these 40 days to like fast from smoking and I'll use that as my launch. And to be clear, I am not against the idea of like Lent helping you improve yourself that way, but that's not the fast. Mm-hmm. A fast is giving something up with the intention of coming back to it later. The fast is about establishing, helping to reestablish perhaps some of those proper boundaries of things, you know, mm, like to reorder. Yeah, that reordering, that reprioritizing. Um, and so when we make the the fast this idea of like binging and purging, mm-hmm. then again, you end up doing that thing, which, you know, again, I don't have to think that long ago in my past, although actually I guess it is a decade and a half at this point. But, you know, those days of like high school, college where you're doing like, oh, you know what, I'm going to I'm going to give up soda. Mm-hmm. And then what do you do on Easter Sunday? Give me my two liter bottle of Dr. Pepper mm-hmm. and I'm going to slam this bad boy now. Mm-hmm. I got another two liter of Dr. Pepper ready to go. <laughs> You know, like I haven't accomplished anything with that fast. And if anything, I have, I might have reordered my relationship with soda, but not in a healthy way. Right. If anything, this has become the idol to which I long to return rather than, you know, a gift to enjoy that points me to the goodness of God. Oh, crap. That was a really good line. Dang it. Like I was going to move forward, but like I kind of need to sit on that one a little bit. (laughs) Holy crap. No, you're right, though. Like if you think about it, like if you're stopping this thing and your eyes are just focused on when you're going to have it again, that is an idol that you're focused on. Holy crap. Yeah. Well, because and like think about it. Like so Lent is a somber and serious time. It's Mm -hmm. the 40 days in the desert. It is a time of penance. It's time of reflection. But it's not a time without joy. It is still a hopeful anticipation for the resurrection Mm -hmm. and what that's going to mean. And so when we instead make Fat Tuesday this massive celebration of indulgence and we then like spend all 40 days just thinking about when on Easter Sunday we can have something similar to Fat Tuesday again, like the ability to reflect the ability to initiate change, the ability to wrestle with the realities of your life outside of Lent is gone because, you know, you're essentially getting uh, inebriated on the stuff that you're planning on giving up the day before and then battling a hangover with it all the way until Easter when you can go ahead and get inebriated on it again. Yeah. Hmm. Man, yeah, like that's like I said, I'm still just kind of chewing on it. Like I just never thought about it. Like we don't think about the idols that we have in our life. Like we think that because we, you know, are good Christians and go to church, so we don't have idols. But like, boy, they sure pop up, man. You know, like Absolutely. That's one thing that I have noticed. So like this is my – so I'm on a diet right now. I'm not calling it a diet. We're calling it a cut because it's 
so we're doing six weeks, very strict, very right. focused. Um, but yeah, it's not forever. We're going to do it for six weeks. We're reordering. We're getting reestablished. This is my second time doing it. And it's amazing how much we've tied ourselves to food and drink. And some of it good, but not yeah. all of it. And that's the really interesting part in a fast is that you get to find what's the good and what's the bad. What is the good about food and drink? It's sharing it with people, mm-hmm. right? Like it's the, it's the raising the glass with somebody. It's the sharing the, at the potluck. It's the bringing this and the getting a little bit of this and a little bit of that and aunts laughing and uncles joking. Like it's the celebration, not the thing itself, right? Right. And so, but we what we do is we tie food to that, or food or drink to to our like it be, the idle thing. Gosh, dang it! Like we we tie our emotions to it, we, we tie our thoughts to it, and so like we need that thing in order. We think that we must have that thing in order for us to be happy, and then when mm-hmm. we have that thing, it doesn't actually ever result in true happiness because it's not the end in itself. Exactly. Well, and like that example too, when you think about it, like food and drink are good for a lot of reasons. Life is one of them. <laughs> God, staying you know, alive like, is a big one. <laughs> I mean, that, that that's a huge thing. But you're right. Like, if, if, if that was ultimately what we were after with our food and drink, then we would drink water mm-hmm. and we would eat like protein pastes and things like that. Uh, because that would give us what we needed to live. Mm-hmm. And and that would be the goal. But that's not all that it is. There is also, you know, appreciating the goodness and the variety of God's creation. The mm-hmm. way that God has blessed us with all of these different things in the garden. And so enjoying the taste of food is absolutely a good thing. Yeah. The communal aspect, you know, we've talked about this a lot yeah. of times. Like for yeah. our family, it is essential. Like I... I cannot think of very many like family hangouts where the conversations that we're having weren't around food and drink. Mm-hmm. Like that's th- those are there. They are part of the vehicle that yep. allows the other things to happen. And the problem is that you can't manufacture the rest of it. Mm. Like I can't manufacture the family gathering and I can't manufacture the conversation, what I can manufacture is, oh, you know what? I remember we were eating something like this, or I was drinking something like this. Mm-hmm. I can have that again. I can make that happen. And, you know, it's that, that even that is not in and of itself necessarily a wrong thing. Yeah. You know, I was going to say sometimes tapping you can... into those memories yep. is a good thing. Yeah. I was just going to say, agreed, agreed. But it becomes a problem when. I've lost sight of the fact that that's what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I love those frosted like circus animal cookies mm-hmm. because I remember having them as a kid and they were great. However, if I lose sight of the fact that like it was my childhood that was great and these were like a very clearly memorable part of that, and instead I think these were incredible. And were therefore the reason why my childhood was incredible. Then I'm going to go down as an adult now, go to uh, 
like the grocery store and get one of those five pound bags of them and just like pour it down my throat because my day has been bad and I want it to be good again. And it was good when I was a little kid and I could eat these things. And it's not going to satisfy because ultimately the cookies couldn't have mattered less. Right. The cookies were like intentionally very visually like eye-catching yep, yep, and yep. intensely sugary. And so they were going to stand out and they were going to be part of it. But they weren't the part that mattered. Right. They were like loaded with emotion from yes. the situation around them. Yeah. And when we lose sight of that, you know, like um, when I, if I were to go for a, a dry Lent or if I were to go for uh, a Lent where I gave up meat entirely for those 40 days i'm not doing that because i i need to be miserable and i will be miserable without those things for those 40 days i'm doing that because these things are good but christ is better and i know it is far far too easy for me to identify those lesser things than it is to identify that greater yeah. Because Christ is real and he's powerful and he's working in my life, but normally through other mediums. Yep. Like it's not often that I feel like Jesus Christ is standing phys- is like standing in the room with me and like there. Mm-hmm. So instead I overfocus on the, the gifts that he gives to make himself known. And so yeah, I need to take some time away from those gifts mm. to make sure that I'm focused on the giver. Yeah. That's well said. Yeah. And I think if I was kind of bringing this all into a life lesson for me, I'm, I'm sitting there thinking again that if, if we feel the need or if we feel the impulse to binge because we're afraid that we're missing out on something because Lent is going to repress us in some way, then, then a couple of things. One, like you said – we have an idol in our life that needs to be broken down in a very systematic and like thorough way, like mm-hmm. time to clean out the closet, like get those skeletons out. Cause you have an idol in your life and idols are not good to have in your life. But then also that it's a, that's a self-centered view, which again leads to idolatry that happens when you look at yourself you're going to find that yourself is inadequate and then you're going to look to something else outside of yourself to try to f- make up for that inadequacy <clears throat> and the result is idolatry. So I, I would say as we come into Ash Wednesday, take a second and, and like just check yourself and be like, do I feel this urge to binge because I'm afraid of being repressed? And if that's the case, then you know start start working backwards and saying, okay, why do I feel this way? What's in my life that makes me think that I, I need this in order to be happy? You know, break all that stuff down, clean out the closet, and then use Lent as the time to reorder life towards Christ. Absolutely, man. That's that's exactly it. Um, I'm kind of going in a similar direction, um, but also hearkening back to something I was saying earlier. I think one of the things we really need to adjust is we need to make peace with the fact that the fast is just as natural as the feast. That like mm-hmm. the, the the actual natural state that we are called to is balance, where we 
have what is needed in the amount that is needed and that God in his bounty has provided enough for all to have what is needed. There are times where it is perfectly natural because God has blessed us abundantly and there is more than is needed. And in celebration of that generosity, it is natural for us to feast, Mm -hmm. to partake in the super generous nature of God who gives us everything. But while that is natural to feast in those moments, it is also just as natural to fast. That there are times when we become convinced that we have needs beyond what we actually do. And in order to Mm. remind ourselves of the reality that Christ is sufficient, that God provides for all that we need, that he came that we might have life and have it in abundance, that all of these things are true, we need to fast. I need to be able to remember that... uh, Driving through somewhere to get my meal is convenient and nice and wonderful, but not necessary. Right. I need to be reminded that uh, caffeine is wonderful, lovely, and nice, but not necessary. I need to be reminded that, um, I don't know, television, that books, that whatever it is, that has become so central to my understanding of the goodness of life that I can't imagine any good beyond it. Mm. That's the idol. That's it. That's the idol. Yeah, that's well said. And so whatever Mm -hmm. that is, I need to take time away from it so that, again, assuming it's a good thing, assuming that it's not a sin that I'm like wrapped up in. Right. But assuming that it's actually a good thing, that I need to fast from it so that I can come back to it in its proper place. Mm-hmm. You know, one of my uh, favorite quotes from uh, Dr. Peter Kreeft was he said that, uh, you know, talking about the importance of putting first things first. You know, it, it's not only the first things that suffer when we put second things first. The second things do as well. They're not mm-hmm. strong enough to bear that weight. Nothing other than God is good enough or strong enough to bear the weight of being the foundation for our happiness. Right. They will all crush and crumble and be destroyed. And so that's the point of this fast. Yep. Not to cut out a good thing from my life, but to remind myself that there is a better thing. There Mm -hmm. is a better person who I desire more than I desire any of these other things that are going on that are part of my life. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Don't be satisfied with what's here. There's so much more, you know, there's something so much greater and we get, we get lost in it sometimes. And we're even told often that this is the best you're going to get. And boy, that's a lie. Yeah. Well said, man. I like that a lot. That was good. Got anything else on your brain? Nah, man, I'm good. Right on, right on. With that, everybody, we will say... Adieu.